Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 105. 105. I'm Evan That is Connor Ryan. Connor, how you doing? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. It is so freaking hot outside. And I learned, that, not that I learned this, but I went over to uh, Warrior Ice Arena to film some videos outside for Bruins Rinkside, shameless plug. And I was shooting them outside and... I was sweating before I even started recording. It was freaking so hot outside, like 99. Just insane. Just complete insanity. At least you didn't, you know, you weren't on that orange line train that spontaneously combusted, though. So it could be worse. You could have been jumping into the Mystic River, Evan. You would have showed up. It would have been bad if you showed up to worry just like soaking wet, especially with Mystic River water. That's that's you don't want to run into that. So didn't didn't uh, she actually the woman who jumped in just got out and walked away? Like she was yeah, like, I'm good. Respect. She's go like, work. you know what? Fuck this. I have to I have to go to assembly. Like, I can't miss my shift, so I'm just gonna show up. Respect. I respect the hell. I respect the hell out of it. Like, I, I would is... much re- it, it'd be so much better at that point. You're so mad of just like just stewing inside to just do that and just walk away. Then as opposed <laughs> to like you know, I'll get you on a boat or anything like that. Or you help? No, leave me alone. I had a, I had a cannonball into the Mystic at I'm seven swim- a.m. this morning. I'm all set. I, I'm swimming in this. I'm swimming in this. Um, I just imagine like news trucks being there and seeing her like come out of the water and being like, "Ma'am, can we interview you?" And she's just like, "No, like don't even try to talk." Yeah, to exactly. Her. It's not going to work. So hell of a hell of a morning for those commuters. I mean, my goodness, um, you had a tweet of a T-shirt, uh, save the water, I think it was, or uh, safer in the water. I think that's safer I think, in the water. I, I think someone uh, interviewed that that poor woman who jumped into the, the river and she was for they pretty much asked her why she ended up doing this, which I mean, the train was on fire. So she's like, I think I, I was safer in the water, which, again, I want the royalties for that t-shirt because I know like some dude on Canal Street's going to be selling that along with like LeBron is a douche. One of those other shirts they always have. That one's going to add to the rotation now. So I would like some royalties on that t-shirt. I think Pet- speaking of like royalties on t-shirts, I believe if memory serves, Petrov McGuire actually um, like made a t-shirt with Brady drunk coming out of that Super Bowl parade. Oh yeah. And I think he put it on Twitter and then within like, an hour someone had already put it on Redbubble and sold like a zillion t-shirts and Petrov was just like what the hell so 
Yeah, you better get on that. I have to add a little copyright thing to it then. I'll be right back, actually. (laughs) (laughs) The red bubble hounds are all over this. Um, Anyways, speaking of things that are uh, not going as planned, not that things here are not going as planned, but it's taking a little bit longer than we all kind of thought. Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci have yet to sign. It is July 21st when we're recording this, um, and nothing has taken place on either of their fronts, at least officially, right? Like we've had the reports and all those things, but uh, nothing uh, official has come out yet. Uh, what do you think is the holdup here? Are they on an orange line train? Are David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron on an orange line train, and they're just waiting over the Mystic River to get to uh, Warrior? Hopefully that's not the case, Evan. Uh, when, when it comes down to it, I think there's two possible logical explanations as to why they haven't announced anything yet. First one I, I think is the Bruins want to clear cap space before uh, both those guys put pen to paper, which would make sense. Um, and the other is that I think they're just kind of navigating through uh, the language of these contracts, which I mean, Don Sweeney more or less alluded to it during his last press conference. If, if, and when maybe when in parentheses there, but uh, if you get to that point where Bergeron and Krejci are signing, it's safe to assume it's going to be one year deals, probably very low base salary and a whole lot of performance bonuses tacked onto it. Um, And that's going to take time in terms of getting that, you know, the proper language down for that, what's going to be the case. And I don't think they're going to be necessarily haggling over the performance bonuses. I think when the Bruins signed Jerome McGinley back in 2013-14, I think his base salary was like 1.6 million. Easy to fit in there, but his performance bonuses were like a joke. I think he got 4.2 million in bonuses and the first 3.7 kicked in off of playing in 10 games. Like pretty easy <laughs> to do. Like it's I don't think they're going to be, you know, holding, uh, you know, Bergeron and Krejci hostage in terms of these bonuses like, oh, you have to hit 70 points to get your full bonus. I mean, both players have all the leverage here because if they both decide that it's not worth their time to kind of haggle over these things and they they go somewhere else or just outright retire, the Bruins are up the creek. They're up the Mystic River. It's not like they need the money. (laughs) The Mystic River. It's not like they need the money. These guys do not need the money at all. Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, so I think it's either coming down to working on, uh, you know, the language involving those bonuses, which is tricky in and of itself, because not only do you have to, if you're the Bruins, of course you want Bergeron and Krejci back. Of course you want to try to sign them to deals that don't involve a lot of high base salary so you can fit fit them in with whatever kind of cap constraints you're dealing with. But you also have to look further down the line. And again, people probably don't want to talk about 2023-24 because you don't really know who's going to be in place and whatnot, but you also don't want to necessarily put seven, you know, six, seven million dollars in bonuses into next year that they carry over into it. Because as we saw with the rooms in 2014-15, when Aguilar was playing for the Avalanche and you had about 4.3 million in dead cap with his bonuses sitting there, what what happened? Uh, the Bruins missed the playoffs. They traded a very good asset in Johnny Boychuk for pennies on the dollar. And uh, Peter Shirley was fired uh, very soon afterwards. So it's one of those things where, of course, uh, you know, bonuses will have to come into play. But if you're the Bruins, I also don't think you want to just give them, let's say, each a million dollars and then six million or something in, in bonuses that carry over. Because look into next year, if you don't have Bergeron and Krejci, whether they're retired or uh, Krejci goes back to the check, um, you have no set plan down the middle after that. You have to sign Pasternak. You have to sign Swayman. Uh, you don't want that much dead cap sitting there. So it's it's a tough juggling act for the Bruins to kind of deal with in terms of one, finding the right language, the right deal, the right 
uh, dollars and cents for those bonuses. And two, uh, what we talked to about at the start of trying to clear up some cap space, because even if you get them signed to one one year, one million dollar base salary, still got Zaka to deal with uh, and that and that ruling. So you're still going to have to move up money in some some area, whether it's a buyout, moving a guy like Riley, what have you, uh, to make this all kind of come together. So there's a lot of stuff they have on the docket before they get to those guys signing those deals. And you hit on this, right? You have to move out guys if you want to clear cap space. And you've said this, I think I've said this in past episodes. If you are already over the cap and you've got to move guys, other teams have all the leverage. They know you're screwed. If you're trying to trade Mike Riley, they know like, Hey, we know why you're doing this. This is not like, Hey, we want some extra draft picks. It's no, we got to get him off the books. So I, in this situation, I feel like they almost kind of want to wait. I am curious if they are right now trying to deal a Mike Riley or, um, you know, uh, maybe a Craig Smith or something along someone along those lines where they're just trying to get those off the books, get under the cap, get well under the cap. Cause they are still two point like 3 million under the cap right now. Um, or it's like 2.6, somewhere around there. So they, you know, they're under it, but they get even more under it. And suddenly, you know, teams are not, they don't, they're not holding you over a barrel. Um, because I do think that that is a deterrent from dealing those guys. Cause you're going to get considerably less. Right. They know you're screwed. Like that's, I think that's, what's difficult. And it's one of those things where of course there's other options they can take, you know, you can go into the off season you can spend 10% over the, the upper limit. So around you know 90 million if you want to but sooner or later you gotta you gotta hit under that ceiling at some point like those are all short-term measures even doing LTIR of course the Bruins can go over by quite a bit when you've got Mashand and McAvoy and Grizzlick on the shelf like I think their combined salary equals out to what almost 16 17 million of course you could you know you can use that as a tool and and spend like crazy hell you could assign like need a rider and cadre and go over (laughs) that limit but it's not like a a kucherov situation where you had a guy missing the entire year you know you're getting it to november and sooner or later guys like mcavoy and marchand anchors are going to come back and you're going to need them back so you can't can't push that further down the line so even if there are options for them to maybe sign Krejci and Bergeron now and, and kick that problem down the line a little bit sooner or later, the bill is going to come due and the Bruins have to get under that 82 and a half million uh, threshold. So I think the onus is on them now to be creative and make those, make those moves now to clear up cap space before you get stuck in again. I think the last thing you want for the Bruins is all of a sudden getting into late September and you're looking at cutting down the roster, evaluating talent. Oh, and also getting under the cap, right? Like where you're trying to move guys when, as you said, they're going to have no leverage at all if they're trying to move off a guy like Riley or, or what have you. Like NHL 22 be a GM mode with the salary cap completely turned off. Getting yes. the writer and Nazem Kadri too. Safe bet that the Bruins are somehow going to finagle all these things together, get the salary cap uh, all in order. But we're talking really safe bets. We're talking about a good friends over bet online. Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, guys. Our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. Both basketball and hockey might be in the midst of their off seasons, but over at Bet Online, you can still find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, the latest fighting news, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code CLNS50. Bet online where the game starts. 
starts. Where the game starts. So uh, it's funny. We mentioned the orange line being on fire and, you know, that's unfortunate. It's fun to joke about. Uh, but there's something else that's orange and on fire in the NHL right now. And that is your Calgary Flames. And I don't Got mean it's, Got I don't em. mean, I do not mean that it's because they are the actual flames. I mean, they are actually, they are on, they flames. are burning. They are burning to the ground, Evan. They are burning as we speak. Um, I actually just, <laughs> this is such, I feel like such a loser as you were talking, um, doing the bet, doing the read, I wrote down tweet orange line dash flames. So I'm me, t- making a mental note. Maybe you can beat me to it uh, as I'm, diatribing here uh anyways for those who do not know the flames are yes there we go the the tweets are being made as we speak the flames are on fire though the flames uh lost johnny gaudreau in free agency um and then of course the next shoe to drop was matthew kachuk being like i ain't resigning i'm not coming back you can have fun trading me so every i think every market nhl market in this country is right now asking is said team in this market viable for Matthew Kachuk? Um, and obviously we have to ask, are the Bruins viable contenders for Matthew Kachuk? Uh, first glance and second and third glance, probably not, considering that's like the one thing that they actually have a fair amount of is top six wingers. I will admit Kachuk would be terrific from a style perspective. Like he would be a Bruin. Like that would yes. be a true Bruin. But you look at, what they have now with Pasternak, Hall, um, Marchand, DeBrusque, and Lysel. And it's like, mm, I don't know if that's really worth it. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where in practice, and when you look at his fit and his style of play, of course, it would be fantastic if the Bruins had a guy like Kachuk in terms of his physicality, goal scoring, the fact that the Bruins so desperately need a guy that can kind of score in those dirty areas of the ice. And it feels like every time you watch Kachuk, he's either tipping a shot, he's got a rebound, he's, you know, barreling guys down low and, and getting those great A looks. Like, he would fit perfectly in the system. Oh. But I think you just had to be pragmatic about it, right? Like, in terms of... Uh, and it's not to say the Bruins don't have the means to potentially acquire him. Like, if you want to go go wild and trade Lysel and Lori and include you know, some contracts and maybe balance out the money a little bit, you can, uh, whether it's, I don't know, DeBrus, Kahlo, uh, a few of the guys like that on top of your grade A prospects and a few first round picks, like you can try to finagle a trade in terms of, you know, pooling in all your assets. That being said, you're putting all your chips on the table at the same time. But I, I think you look at the amount of hoops the Bruins would have to jump through in order to get a guy like Kachuk, who again, a fantastic player would help this team uh, immensely. But I also think you're looking at a, a situation where you're again, adding to the wing, but you're kind of like the golden Knights before uh, they got Eichel where it's, you know, so much talent on the wing, but it's not going to mean all that much. If in a year or two, it's, you know, Pavel Zaka and Coyle are the t- your top six centers. Right. And they're driving that play again, who knows, maybe if you have that much talent with Pasternak and Kachuk and Hall and all these guys, maybe they'll still be, very productive players. But again, I think sooner or later you have to focus your efforts, whether it be drafting or especially let's say in a few years down the road where they should have some more money freed up, whether it's the growing cap limit or more contracts coming off the books, Bruins have to throw some money at a legit center at some point. Who knows who is, who's it going to be, who's going to be available at that time. But um, that's going to be a situation where I think the Bruins have to address that sooner rather than later stating the obvious. So I think it's one where Kachuk, in you know 
if you look at the scenario where he's here, it's like NHL 22 adding him. Like it'd be great in practice. It'd be fantastic yes. watching him night and night out. But in terms of what this team desperately needs in terms of uh, talent down the middle, you can only go so far by loading up on your on all your wings. So, uh, you know, I'd give them a very, very slim shot, especially when you just look at the amount of other teams that have a greater need for more talent on the wing, more scoring on the wing, uh, more cap space available, probably better assets. I think the Bruins are going to be on the outside looking in at any Kachuk sweepstakes here. I was going to say a lot of the teams mentioned like St. Louis, the Rangers. I think the Devils have been mentioned. There's a ton. Yeah. Of, the, the Devils are always mentioned. Uh, but there's so much, so many other teams you said with other assets that um, are just better fits. Um, and as you said, like, I got like Lysel, you know, you don't want to trade. I don't think you want, again, it depends on the winger, I guess, but you don't want to trade Fabian Lysel for a, another top six winger. I feel like if you were to trade Lysel, it would be for a center that you believe in. Like a, if you were doing like a Pierre-Luc Dubois or someone like that, who was going to be a top six center for you for the next 10 years, you would deal Lysel for that not for another top six winger, especially when you have a ton um, of other wingers. It's funny though. I will give, this is where, this is where the fun really like kicks into gear. Scenarios like this do make for amazing trade proposals on Twitter. There was one that went around. I love this one. Um, There was one that someone posted like reposted and it was like Bruins received Matthew Kachuk and Milan Lucic Calgary gets Jake DeBrusque, Matt Grizzlick, Craig Smith, Jack Stanika, Trent Frederick, Nick Felino, a 2020, a 2024 first, and a 2023 third. And I said that is and an, an orange line cable car. Yeah, an orange line cable car. That is a perfect trade. That is nothing beats that. Um, the beauty of that trade would be like Calgary would just have all these players, and they're like, well, what do we do with all these guys? Like DeBrusque and Grizzlick and Smith and Stanika and Frederick and Felino. Like, where are they going in the lineup? Um, and I also love the inclusion of Lucic in this deal. Of course, Lucic is coming back. So you, you need that little nostalgia uh, oh, with any yes. with any uh, with any wild Bruins trade request. You need to have someone added in there to, to throw it back a little bit. So yes. that's like a, hey. that's honestly a perfect uh, Bruins Twitter proposal. Like that, yes. that, that one hits on all the hit checks, all the boxes in terms of uh, wild Bruins fan Twitter proposal. Trade a ton of trash for another treasure. Like that is pretty much what that is. Um, I will give, you know, it's funny. We make fun of trade proposals. I do like seeing them though. I, it never fails to amaze oh, me great. seeing the trade proposals. Like that's the one thing, like, you know, we can sit here and make fun of them, but like, don't ever stop posting them. I Please. mean, we'll post them at some point, you know? So um, just absolutely incredible stuff. Uh, but no, I don't think that the Bruins are uh, viable contenders for Matthew Kachuk, as much as it sucks to say that because Kachuk would be, the, a Bruin like that. And it's funny because, you know, Cam Neely really would try to move yes. mountains for Matthew yes. Kachuk if he could. So um, anyways, moving on uh, to real Bruins news, tangible Bruins news. Bruins have hired a assistant coach to replace Kevin Dean on defense. John Gruden from the Monday night booth and the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, where's John Gruden now? Like the, the, the football John Gruden. What is he doing? Like, what's this? Oh, didn't he get it canceled? Yeah, I think so. I was going to say, he's definitely not with the Raiders anymore, right? Yeah, They're... never mind. I'm still living in the past. He got canceled, right? That I was his think, thing? I, I want to say, he. yeah, he did. But he's. it's also a football coach. So who knows if he's like landed That's somewhere true. else? He is not. Nope, he's okay. just... Nope, he's out. He's out. <laughs> he's out. I forgot. For I now. totally... I forgot about the thing that got him booted from uh, Vegas. I completely spaced that. Uh, but the Bruins have their own John Gruden. The better John Gruden. 
a much better John Gruden. Uh, was an assistant coach with the Islanders for the last four years. Now he comes in, uh, has a lot of uh, experience with the national development team, and uh, I believe was the USHL or the OHL. Uh, OHL. OHL. So uh, defensive guy talked to us on Thursday saying that they haven't really decided between man and uh, zone coverage for the D zone. Few tweaks. Um, with, is there anything that stands out to you about Gruden that could change? Yeah. Yeah, I think the one thing uh, you kind of look at his profile as, you know, obviously didn't have a, a lengthy time of the NHL as a player. Again, drafted by the Bruins, uh, which feels like another checkbox there. But that's not to say that oh, it was, you like, know, oh, another local yeah, guy. Know. Uh, yeah, from Minnesota. So I, I will also preface that. But um, I, I think you look at Gruden and kind of his track record as a, you know, offensive defenseman. Uh, it seems like he's had an active role in really working on, I think, one of the mandates for the Bruins under Montgomery is getting more offense out of this blue line, whether it's just encouraging more shots, finding shooting lanes. Uh, he mentioned a lot of more lateral movement along the blue line. So I think those are things that uh, you can kind of look forward to in terms of the tweaks they're going to make, especially in the offensive side of things. And I think you kind of look at Gruden and his track record. Um, everywhere he's gone, I think he's done a very good job of getting guys to buy in, whether that's just his systems communication style which seems to be a running theme in terms of the tweaks the Bruins have made with their coaching staff but uh one story that kind of stood out to me was uh Gruden's first job in the OHL was coaching the Flint Firebirds uh and a month into his uh, time there he got fired by the owner and according to reports it was because he was not giving the owner's son who was on the roster enough playing time so he got fired a month Ooh. into his job and was uh, rehired less than 24 hours later because his entire team, including the son, uh, the son <laughs> of the hysterical. owner, protested. <laughs> yeah, protested and uh, and said they were not going to play unless he was back. So a guy that, you know, has had that track record for getting uh, players to buy in. Um, same thing with the Islanders. Again, when you're in a, a team coached by Barry Trotz, you're known for, you know, having the identity of a stingy, grinded out team. But as a guy who helped run their defense, uh, he played a very practical uh, and hands-on role in terms of getting that defense to be a team that was tough to play against. I think they were in the top 10 in fewest goals against per game in all four years he was with the Islanders. So it seems like a guy that wherever he's gone, he's done a very good job at getting guys to communicate, get his message across, get guys to buy in. And so for this team, if his main objective is getting more offensive uh, capabilities out of this decor, um, seems like a, a pretty good guy to to take on that task, especially if it's something that allows guys like McAvoy or Grizzly, what have you to hit another gear in terms of their offensive production. I don't think you're going to see Brendan Carlo all of a sudden be a 15 goal scorer or what have you, but if he's Bobby able or. to get, yeah, if he's able to get more production or just more adopting more of a mindset, right. Of, of finding those shooting lanes of not being afraid to take a shot that maybe in the past, you'd be, you know, chastised for being a low danger shot. If it's all about, you know, finding those lanes and capitalizing on them um, seems like a pretty good, a good guy for kind of the objectives that the Bruins are mapping out for this roster. And that was something the Bruins wanted the past couple of years. Yeah. I remember even Cassidy mentioning this after the hurricane series in 2020 in the bubble saying like, we need to get more shots through from the point. And over the past couple of years, it never really took place. Um, and again, Hampus Lindholm helps with that. It does not help that Charlie McAvoy uh, is going to be out for the first month and a half, two months of the season. Grizzly could be out for a month. So like that definitely hurts. But I do think when the lineup is healthy, I think for the direction they want to go in, Gruden sounds like the guy. We'll, we will see. 
we will completely see again, it's, it's an assistant coach. So it's not like he's going to, you know, revitalize the whole system, but good to get a new voice on the, on the bench. You know, they got one last year in Chris Kelly. They've had Joe Sacco now forever. I know Joe Sacco has nothing to do with the defense, but like Joe Sacco has been there since I think like what, 2014, um, quite a while, quite yeah. a while. Um, and you have goalie Bob, obviously. So, uh, quite the assistant coaching crew, uh, Gruden, an interesting hire should be interesting to see what he does. Uh, but uh, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at Boston Sports Journal? Yeah, Evan, we're going to continue to break down the offseason as we await uh, some actual tangible news surrounding Patrice Berger and David Krejci. But until that happens, we'll still have you covered every step of the way. Uh, I think next week we're going to do a little bit of a dive into prospects and our we usually do a prospect ranking every year during the offseason. So I think we're going to uh, commit to that undertaking uh, next week. Quite the undertaking. Uh, we'll have, yes, we'll continue to look at any potential fringe free agents the Bruins could still target because there's still quite a few guys out there who are probably going to be signing for pretty cheap in the next uh, couple of weeks. So we'll have all of our bases covered here over at Boston Sports Journal. So please subscribe over at BSJ. Want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. Make sure to subscribe to us over at Bruins Rinkside on YouTube. That is Poke the Bear. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Poke the Bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week. (laughs) 